welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Ivan Escalante, director of No Moon Sapiens, an indie studio for board game development and illustration. The new game, Backyard of Fruta Baja, is currently on Kickstarter. Ivan, welcome to The Binge. How are you doing, my friend? Thanks. It's, um, I, I, I'm going to uh, say sorry for my crappy English because it's not perfect yet, but I, well, I, I, do, I do my best. Hey, no problem. We'll get through it. I'm sure if there's uh, any clarifications I need, I'll be more than happy to, uh, to speak up. I'm not shy. So, <laughs> so Ivan, uh, so you're joining us from Mexico right now. Whereabouts in Mexico are you joining us from? Well, uh, which, which city of Mexico you asked? Are uh, you, you're in Mexico, yes? Yes, I'm really in Mexico. Uh, actually, all the members of Nomo Sapiens are in Mexico, in Merida, Yucatan, the Mayan Riviera, very close to the Mayan Riviera. Okay, the Mayan okay. Um, uh, actually, uh, we are we've been living. Uh, we're actually working here uh, three years ago, like four years ago. Four years ago, we are technically pretty new, and we are pretty pretty small. Actually, we are like uh, six members here in the studio. Nice. Um, and we work for a very low, 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 low budget. <laughs> So um, I'm, I'm going to ask you this next question. I wonder if you can just pull the microphone a little bit closer to your face, if you don't mind. Okay. Um, so with how long have you been gaming? Like how long have you been like in the game industry yourself? Like just even recreationally gaming or, or gaming with friends? Is this something you've been doing your whole okay. life? Or? Oh, no, no. Actually, um, I've been thinking, this, this is a pretty common question. Um, I've been drawing comics and being a digital artist very, very, for, for a very long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, like 15 years drawing comics and publishing oh, wow. comics and books for kids. And also I was a digital artist teacher in a university here. So I was uh, teaching kids when teaching teenagers to oh, draw cool. in, the, in the computer. Yeah. And I had the idea of this board game, the Necronomic Corps, the first board game we, we made four years ago, well, actually five years ago, uh, the creation of the game took one year, one whole year. And I I always loved uh, board games. Uh, I had board games before being, being, having this idea. I am a huge Magic the Gathering fanatic. I've been playing Magic the Gathering since I am teenagers, like mm-hmm. 20, 22 years ago. And when I had this idea of Necronomic Corp, I took some money I had in my, my savings and started this idea. I, I left teaching in the most, in two or three schools I was teaching a digital art. And I expended many time and many resources from my savings trying to create this board game. Actually, it was pretty hard because we are totally naive here in Mexico, the, uh, uh, board game studios are totally new, mm. and and no, and there is uh, there is um, not enough knowledge about the market, the Kickstarter, and everything. And we was also naive in in that time. And I lost a lot of money, not not only my savings. I lost money from the campaign because we got stolen. We got. No boy. Uh, scammed. We got uh, accidents. We got many, many things went wrong for many bad people. 
Yeah. So this game that you're tr- creating, I'm just going to clarify for people, it's called Necronomy Corp. Yes, uh, this is a game. This game. Is, yeah, this is your first campaign, right, on Kickstarter. So were you trying to take that game straight to retail then? Be, like with, before Kickstarter, were you trying to just make this game locally or what, we, what we, happened? We try it. We try it, but only some copies uh, in Spanish yeah. went to Mexico and Latin America thanks to Devir. Devir is a publisher, a board game publisher, pretty, pretty international board game publisher. Yep. Uh, and the Economic Corp was distributed on went to the retailers thanks to them with just some few copies because we got stolen some pallets some mm. copies of the game many copies of the game was stolen in in the aduana in english aduana um taxes on customs, customs. only oh, customs customs, <laughs> customs, customs. for stealing your games oh my gosh uh, yeah yes uh, a, a few pal- a f- two, two pallets of, of of game copies was stolen in customs it, it was pretty hard lost uh, we, I, as, I, as I told you, we lost a lot of money. A lot of money. Were you making these in, in China or where were they being manufactured? Yes, everything is produced in China because it's incredibly cheaper. Yeah. Uh, it's incredibly cheaper, faster, and the quality is good. Even we got a, a crappy or a manufacturer the first time in, mm-hmm. in Economic Corp. The production was pretty good in the most uh, copies of the game. Mm-hmm. But we changed a manufacturer for this for the second games for uh, card game, the card game, and War for Chicken Island, and other games. We got another manufacturer. It's called, uh, you know, uh, the name of the game. Uh, like Panda Games or one of these guys, or I, I forgot the name of our manufacturer, and I feel so bad for it. Um, <laughs> so, so the other two games. So it's the card game. So the game is called the card game. So that was our game. The card game. It was our second campaign. Yeah. But it's my third game. It's mm-hmm. my third game because my second game was War for Chicken Island, which was produced and published by Draco Studios, another studio in Mexico. And so, so just for people listening and to give an idea of um, uh, Chicken Island, uh, so War for Chicken Island by Draco Studios. Did $160,000 on Kickstarter. It was a huge success, a really fun game. Um, actually, maybe I'll even just show for people watching right now live, show you some of the artwork. I'm scrolling my screen here so people can see it, but it's got this kind of like steampunk feel to the artwork. And uh, <laughs> when you see the the uh, the minis with the chicken holding the staff, it's, uh, it's pretty funny. So I can see why a game like this would do so well on Kickstarter. So your studio did the artwork for War for Chicken Island. And in addition to that, you also designed the game. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, for War for Chicken Island, I created the core game, the rules, mm-hmm. the core rules, and of the entire world. The art was provided by mostly by me and my studio because I have a graphic designer who made the logo, the, the logotype, the title, and the, the grids, the on the board was mm-hmm. it's, it's not my it's not gotcha. my art uh-huh and uh, i can't take all the credit for the art but i yeah. can take most <laughs> credit <laughs> for the art um also but, but the idea the rules the, yep. the first the first edition of the rules was written by me but when drug studios bought the game they changed it and edited and updated and changed so many rules because they felt the game was pretty 
I, I don't know why exactly they did, but when when we got our first copy, yeah, well, provided by them, it was pretty weird. Some changes they did, but it it and we replayed it like in the original role it we had in the studio. So this is this is fairly standard, right? So when a publisher uh, yes. takes uh, a game, right? They yes. when they sign, they have the. I, I mean, I do the same thing as a publisher myself. If I sign a game. I will be explicit that I have the right to change that game any way I want to. And it's not necessarily that a publisher necessarily thinks that, you know, that they can create a better game per se, but they've got the experience of doing multiple games. They know certain things that uh, might play better to their audience. Um, They may know uh, certain things they need to change to make it less costly to make the game. So maybe taking components out or taking elements out and so forth. So, you know, publishers, there's never ill intent. Often these changes that uh, that they put forward are in the vein of trying to make the best possible success for that game possible. So, but, uh-huh. yeah. That's pretty common in the entertainment business. Yeah. Uh, if you see a movie, probably, if you don't like a movie, probably you will blame the director. But you, you can't blame the director. You can't blame the writer or, or probably... The producers, because the producers change many things because yeah. they don't like it or they think people won't like it. So uh, that's why the Snyder Cut exists, because yeah. Snyder had a different idea of what producers want. Yeah. So when in the entertainment industry, it happens all the time, even yeah. with board games. Probably the producer says people won't like it, but the creator mm-hmm. says, would I like it? A publisher said, "No, let's change it." Like King Domino and Queen Domino. Do you know a history about the two games? Actually, uh, no. Okay, King Domino and Queen Domino was uh, technically the first, uh, the, the same game. Yeah. But the publisher changed it. Uh, the public, the, the author created King Domino, but the publisher changed it, so they changed the name to Queen Domino, and it was so good that they decided to publish King Domino. And that's the reason why both versions exist, King Domino and Queen Domino. And both are totally different. But one is the publisher's edition and the other is the original edition from the the outdoor. So it happens all the time, even in board games. So uh, Dodo's Riding with Dinos is another game that Draco Studios uh, published. That one did a $250,000 on Kickstarter. Again, huge, huge success. Yes, but um, we are only the art providers. So you did the artwork for that, but not the game design. Only artwork. Right? Char- character design and art for the cards yeah. and art for the miniatures, but not the 3D modeling or neither the maps or neither the logotype. Got it. Just, just the art and character design. And again, I think that that's kind of typical too, right? So publishers, when they're, uh, or even in this case, I'd say developers, when people are developing a game to, to go to market, often you'll have the core artwork, which is done by an illustrator. And then usually you have to get a graphic artist. They'll help with layout and things like that. Maybe doing the basic board uh, setup, card setup, card layout, things like that. If you get lucky, sometimes you might have a company that can do both. Uh, but in many cases, those are, those are separate roles, right? So that's pretty cool. And then, so... Talk to me about Nomo Sapien. Where did this name come from? How did you guys come up with Nomo Sapien? Okay, well, that's a, a very fun story because we wanted to call or to name the studio Mulligan because Mulligan is a word uh, who means a second chance. Like a mulligan, got it. Okay, yeah. Like a mulligan because you have bad luck. It's, it's a real word in the dictionary. 
it's a second chance when you have bad luck in your first try. We wanted to call the Studio Mulligan, but the name was taken in Mexico for a toy store. So, so we chosen, uh, we, we made a brainstorming from names. Um, suddenly somebody say, no more working gnomes, uh, not working gnomes, no, uh, gnomes, it's not, no more sapiens. Yep. Sounds good. Yeah, take it. It's because it's, it's gnomes, the elves, you know. Yeah, three. I got the gnomes, yeah. So it, was this, those gnomes, did it, what's the significance of the gnome to you? Is this like imagery or iconography you've had, or is it just random words you stuck together? Just, that just, because, what, just because sounds funny. The other, uh, the other, the second option for the name studio was Sandwich Bag. Yeah. Because all board games has this tiny cycle of bags, you know, this tiny yep. plastic bags. So the, the idea of the studio, the second option was Sandwich Box Studio because sounds funny. Just Sandwich Box. Funny. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So what came first then? So did the studio come first? In, cause, and I was just showing the screen for people that are watching again. Uh, I mean, the, the artwork out of your studio is phenomenal, right? Like, Thank you. <laughs> anybody that uh, wants to check this out, go to Nomo Sapiens. So you type the word gnome, right? So nomosapiens.com. I'll put a link in the uh, show notes. But the, the artwork is uh, is pretty impressive um, across you. various genres, right? Um, was the kind of the graphic novel, the comic, did that kind of come first as a studio and then you guys got into board games or they kind of happened at the same time or how did that come together? Well, when I wanted to create a Necronomic Orb, I, want, I, I had the clear idea of, of what I want with the board game. Uh, the characters, the mechanics, mm -hmm. everything. Everything in, of the board game was clear in my head. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, to get uh, a money mm, support from government. Financial support, get, yeah. <clears throat> yes. To, to, to gain a money support from the government, we had to build a legal studio, a legal corporation. Mm. So I had to take a name and re, um, be a legal studio in, and pay taxes for everything. Sure. And I got a small support from the government. And everything went just like that. Just Got it. And then, so let's talk a little bit about Backyard of Frutabaja. So start off with the name, Frutabaja. Is that like a district somewhere in... in... Well, it's, it's because it's pretty deep, the name. The name is, believe it or not, the name is pretty deep. Can you see the cat? There is a cat over there. There's a cat over there. <laughs> okay. Uh, the name the name of Fruta Baja is pretty deep because it's a term used by business people uh, taking the low hanging fruit. Taking the low hanging Got fruit it. means for a business people taking a low risk uh, opportunity to earn money. Mm. So low hanging fruit means fru fruta que cuelga abajo or fruta que está abajo. Mm -hmm. Fruta baja. Low fruit, low hanging fruit. So low hanging fruit is what translates into low uh, loose. Yes, a low That's hanging fruit, a low hanging fruit opportunity is a, a big deal for any money easily. Sure. So it's a term used for business people. Yes. Yeah. So, so the name was Frutabaja because we find uh, we made a research for the names of Euro games. Yeah. And many of the Euro games are formed by three words: uh, castles of Burgundy. Uh, mm -hmm. Settlers of Karans, so backyard of Frutabaja, <laughs> you know, 
architects of paladins of Northwest, architects of Northwest. You you might choose, you might pick an euro. Yeah. Pick an euro and add three words for the name usually. <laughs> so talk to us about this game. So I'm sharing the screen on uh, for people again watching us live. Yes, I love the are, artwork. The artwork is is, is awesome. Are, are, are you gonna share something or do you want? Well, to it's on my screen right now. You can't see it, but the the audience can see it right now. They can okay, see okay, uh, okay. The, your Kickstarter page. Okay. Um, the idea uh, came many years ago. Many years ago, it was uh, like three years ago. We created this game to teach kids about business and some situation for the uh, new emprendeurs, business, young business people. Entrepreneurs. <laughs> yeah, for young entrepreneurs. entrepreneurs. Yep. Entrepreneurs. Okay. So the game was created to teach young people and kids about these terms, about situations, about uh, common, common things uh, people experience when it's entrepreneur. But um, the game was so simple. The, the game was so uh, easy. So was um, it, it needed more complexity. Yeah. So over the years, we took the game with more skills, with more probability control, with more cards, with objectives, with things. We polished the game. We the game uh, grown. The game mm -hmm. grown well, good, and it's a good game. It's not a hard euro game is an easy euro game it's a familiar game it's a game you can play with your daughter or with your son it's like and a casual get... board game right yes it's a casual board game but the most important thing is to the probability control mechanic because um some people may or likes to compare the game with settlers of Karan because you mm. produce with two dices but in settlers of Karan, you roll the dices every turn but in yeah. this game, the dice are in a row, and you see which number will roll in the next turn. Mm -hmm. But you can pay to change the probability to override the number or downgrade the number mm -hmm. in the next turns. So, and and you only can pay for that with your lucky your with clovers with clover tokens. And clover tokens only are earned when somebody else produces money. So when somebody else gets richer, you get luckier. So when you get luckier, you might change your luck to get more money. But when you get more money, some other people get luckier. So that's that's how the game works. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of paraphrase that because in there's a really great uh, review from uh, uh, Gaming with Edo. Mm -hmm. When Pencil First Games, he did a review of this. He he actually loved the kind of quirkiness of the characters. I, I agree. I, I thought it was great. The quirkiness so of the character. It's essentially, you have these these tiles, which are terrain tiles. Uh, you shuffle them up. You deal them out. It's a four by six grid, right? That becomes your board, right? So each of those tiles now is a square on the board. So your board is always changing every time you play, which is really cool. You're buying land, right? So you have the ability to buy land. Each of those squares represents a lot that you can buy. You can build businesses on those lots, right? And then those businesses can earn uh, money or, or money, I guess, or currency in this case. You also have this character called the Blorto. Can you explain what the Blorto is? And what does that translate as? Blorto? Okay, uh, the name of the Blorto was given by a kid. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a three years old kid say, this monster has a name of Blorto mm -hmm. with three R's. Blorto with three R's. So it's a Blorto, Blorto. Yeah. And uh, the idea of uh, putting a monster inside the game because it, it it you feel the pressure of being wasted, being spoiled by some 
forces of nature outside your control. Right. And also forces people to work together, even if there is only a winner, There's only one winner, but people must work together. So I can change Marlock and use Marlock to change the number, making you produce to clean your business. <laughs> to so clean I, the backyard. I thought that was kind of cool. So, and again, sharing the screen for people to see this, uh, this Blordo character, he kind of looks like... Um, Kind of looks like a booger with eyeballs, which is kind of funny. But you it's know, um, I, I don't know exactly what it's made of. It's, I don't know if is this for or this just dirt or is yeah. So or essentially, it, in this game, he's dropping dirt on different uh, tiles, right? So as he's dark. on these different lots, you can drop dirt in other people's businesses. Of course, businesses always function better when they're clean, right? People want to buy from a business when they're clean versus dirty. And essentially the winning conditions of this game, I guess, is if you can reach $20 in currency uh, and all your businesses are clean, I guess uh, you can win the game that the way. Easy mode. Uh -huh. Yes, the yeah. easy mode is a money rush when people need to pay 20 monies. It's yeah. money, not, not money, monies. It's or monies. Actual yeah, yeah. currency. Yeah. Cargain the cargain also uses monies. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if somebody pays 20 monies and all their business are clean, they that guy wins the game. But we that's the easy mode the expert mode people has life goals life goals are cards with plans in your life like being a great master chef being incredible in business have your own uh, monopoly of entertainment sure. so cards needs to accomplish because if you want to be a great master chef you need to have a restaurant at a bar and a coffee shop all together in one line so you need so to these are early victory uh, conditions, right? So the cards conditions. that basically have an early victory condition on it. Yes. Um, and then I also saw that if if all the dirt is spread across the board from this uh, Blarto, uh, that also triggers the end of the game. And based on most victory points would be how you declare the winner, I guess, yeah? Actually, if the Blarto uh, sells all the dirt tokens, yeah. there is no winner. There is no winner. All by no there's no winner. Got so it. even even only one player can lose, all players, only one player can win. Yeah. All players can lose. So players are forced to draw, to play together. Even only one can win. Got it. Mm -hmm. what, what I think is really cool is that you guys are offering a mini, right? So the Blordo yes. actually for backers only uh, can get the actual, uh, the mini of the Blordo, which I think is, yes. which is awesome. So all, all, all the miniatures are shipped in a, a separate side box. You have your core game box and yep. a second box with all your miniatures. Mm -hmm. There is uh, five, five, five miniatures, five different miniatures: the Blordo, the Sharknado, the Hobo, but the Trump, the Trump, and uh, uh, the hot dog cart food. Yeah. And and there is another one: the freaking customer, the client. The so with with these, when they ship them, are they? Can will they fit into the original box? So they're shipped separately, but can you then add them to your box or uh, no? Will they... No, I I feel pretty bad when I buy when I buy a board game and open it and find some extra space of air. Yeah, that I can't fill with more air because I don't have the extras from Kickstarter. I feel pretty bad. Yeah, I is is I think it's pretty. Um, uncomfortable for people, for regular people and mm -hmm. retailer to purchase a game with a lot of error inside the box just right. for backers. I think yeah. I, I think it's not fair. I think it's not fair and it's not good and also makes the, the shipping more expensive. 
because the box is bigger. Sure. And also you have another box outside. How, so, how big is this box? Because your board is, is literally tiles, right? So, I mean, when you played on that, when you see it spread out on the table and when, when Ed gave me the better did this, now. it took up a lot of space, but does it pack up very small? It must pack up small, does it? No, no, no. Because uh, since the game's made of mostly tiles, yeah, you need, you need a lot of punch boards. We can sell the game punched. Punched. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. We can sell the game already punched, but it will make the production expensive. Expensive. Yeah. It will cost more. <laughs> yeah. If we if, if we give you a game already punched, so the box needs to be a bit bigger just because the, the all the cardboard needs to be punched. Mm -hmm. But it's not. It's like, uh, have you played? I have the viciousness of the box right here. It's okay. It, it's just kind of getting a general idea. But I guess in this case, you got the punch board. So then yeah, once but, you punch it, it, it it's a big box. box. Right? It's, so, it's not a huge box. It's a big box, like, like yeah, yeah, like this. Got it. And so when I look at your campaign, so you've got uh, this is your fifth campaign, uh, three games. So when you did uh, the card game, uh, it took two attempts uh, to get there. Yes. And with this, this is your second attempt uh, attempt on Fruit of Baja. Yes. So you're clearly not afraid to pull a campaign if it's if it's not uh, if it's not working. What are some of the learnings you've had along the way? Like, what are some things that you're doing now differently than maybe you did a couple okay. of years ago when you first started off? We we learn it a lot from failure more than success. Sure. Yeah. Certainly. For carving the card game, in the second chance, we lowered a bit the budget. Just a bit changing some components instead of mm. having a premium edition and regular edition because carving the card game was supposed to have a totally foiled edition, mm -hmm. totally foiled. We, we we have to sacrifice some luxury, some 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 nice components, just to load the budget. Also, mm. many people was ready to back carving the card game in the first time, and when they uh, was waiting for the second chance, they immediately back at the game. So when normal or regular or new backers got into the into the campaign, so in the first day the game was most was already back. So sure. that was the the how come digo rebaño you've been carrying over your backers basically. So yes. you take you take your backers yes. from the first round and yes. you bring them to the next I'll, one. If a backers if a backer see a campaign already funded, they fund yeah. it because it's already it's, it's going to be funded. It's sure. close to the to the success. Yeah. And mostly in the first two days. You need two days to to already fund a game, to already yeah. achieve the goals. If you don't uh, achieve it in two days, probably you won't make it never. So when when we made the second chance of carving the card game. many backers from the previous campaign back it in the in the first minutes. So this Sim it the game or make it the game look like awesome because it's an awesome game. Really, it's an awesome game. Really, it's an awesome yeah. game. <laughs> and and that was very helpful for the second for the second change for Backyard Fruit Baja. We changed many things. We lowered the budget a bit, changing some components to a cheaper material or cheaper yeah. uh, version. Also, we spent a lot of uh, marketing. Mm -hmm. Buying ads from Facebook, Instagram, we we we're spending ads. Uh, also, we 
we don't have the support from other professional marketing uh, like Yelop or Backerkit or or those those companies who are the are, social media uh, amplifiers. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Social media amplifiers. So, well, we don't have to, that support. And I and I asked for it, but we was kicked because just like that. Yeah. Even in Cargen, the Cargen, the first reason Backerkit says no. Mm-hmm. It says because card games are not popular. That was the reason Bucker Kid says no. Yellow. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if Jello. I'd agree with that. I think the guys at uh, Doomlings would probably disagree with that too, because they uh, they did hundreds of thousands of dollars in their card games. So um, well, it, it's uh, I think it, it just depends on the timing and in uh, the type of game. But uh, certainly, it seems like you guys have got a lot of passion around your games. If people want to, uh, so if publishers, for instance, want to reach out to you and take advantage of some of the skill set at No Mill Sapiens, how best do they do that? What? Uh, uh, like a publisher. So if a publisher wants to contract you guys to do the artwork for their game, okay. how, how would they reach out to your studio? There are many ways to reach uh, to us. One yeah. is the most popular is just by email, mm-hmm. uh, contacto a normalsapiens.com okay uh, also from artstation is our official art page mm, web social yeah. media artstation we have our portfolio from facebook you can send us a direct message or from instagram you can send us a direct message and i will reply or one of my people will reply as soon as we can uh, not all the messages are replied by me i have somebody writing in social media mm-hmm. or trying it <laughs> trying and we love to create art for board games. We feel pretty comfortable doing art for board games. Yeah. Uh, we made uh, have some miniatures from other people in other games. Uh, yep. And Draco Studios love our art. But we are not only uh, artists for board game, board game artists. We do art for books for kids, for comics, for so books, comics. If somebody needs like a graphic novel. It looks like you guys really take care of the whole art side uh, quite uh, quite robustly, which I think is uh, absolutely awesome. So your game is called um, Backyard of Fruta Baja. Uh, again, it's got some great reviews from uh, some uh, great content creators out there. I'm going to put a link to that in our show notes so that anybody who wants to get to that Kickstarter page fast, they can. I encourage you to check the game out. It looks like a lot of fun. Uh, Ivan, I want to thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Uh, it's been a blast. It goes by quick, but uh, it was cool learning about your company and your studio and the things you guys are thank doing. You. I want to wish you all the best this upcoming Kickstarter campaign. Thanks. Cheers. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.